here. It is here. Welcome to game day on The Ref with Josh Helmer. I'm Chris Plank, and I won't lie to you. Um, you know, I, I think I brought this up on Monday's show, and I took a little heat from all of y'all, and I had this feeling based on the way bowl games were going and the buzz out of Eugene, I just, I worried about whether or not this game would happen. I really did. And I kind of on Monday proclaimed how ignorant it was of me to feel that way. And then literally, Josh, Five minutes after we went off the air, the Oregon media started to report about how small the numbers looked for for Oregon when they were going through their open window in practice. So we did our show yesterday, two hours mobile. There was a part of me that you know didn't really know for sure if by the time we got to the outskirts of Austin, if there might be a phone call or a text that says, hey, guys, uh, turn around. Unfortunately, this this isn't happening. Oregon doesn't have its numbers. And I I guess maybe the, the moral of this story is, or moral, I'm sitting here in the Hyatt Regency in San Antonio with an excitement level of 10. Now, after a paranoid couple of days, well, actually, let me rephrase that. After a very confident Monday morning, which became a very paranoid Monday afternoon, into an all-day paranoid Tuesday. Now, again, I want to be clear. I thought Oregon's interim coach did everything he could to try to make things seem a little better than they were. But I sit here confident today that we're playing football, and that fires me up. So, welcome. Welcome into an Alamo Bowl edition of the Plank Show, live from San Antonio. Toby kicked off our coverage. I've got you till noon. Thune, Steely and Thune coming up next, and Teddy this afternoon. And I, I'll tell you a key time. By the way, Josh, how was your, is it Wednesday? Yes. How was your Tuesday night into a Wednesday morning? All good in the Helmer household? It was fantastic. We saw good. one good. Big Twelve team play great, and another one, well, not so much. Well, we don't have to. We don't have to talk about those bowl games. Uh, it was terrible. My gosh, I stayed up and watched three quarters of that Minnesota West Virginia game, and I wanted to inject Tabasco into my eyes. Where is uh, um, where's the nearest <laughs> eye wash station? <laughs> they have everything here, but I just want to make that clear. I haven't even seen the Riverwalk yet. Literally, I, I know everyone always talks about San Antonio Spurs, a small market. Have they been to San Antonio? There's like people on people here. This place got they got more people per square inch than anywhere I've been in my life. Where did you people come from? You can't even walk in this city. Anyway, um, there is a key time I've been told today. For those of you that still want to play the I hope they don't UCLA us card, right? I mean – There had been no buzz about any problems at the Holiday Bowl, Josh. Then, lo and behold, just hours before a kick, what happens? UCLA's out. 
And listen, I, I'm not saying it's fair, but when one Pac-12 team does it, suddenly you're like, whoa, how do we know that Oregon's not going to go Pac-12 on us, even though it's like one Pac-12 team. But here's the key time, Josh, when we sign off. High noon. If the Plank Show featuring Josh Helmer is able to get through this program without any hey, breaking news, breaking news, breaking news, then we're good to go. I'm not saying that that is a, an Alamo Bowl thing or an Oregon thing or an Oklahoma thing. I'm just telling you it's a thing a your boy has, hold, has heard that – if we, if you're still in that group of, man, is there any chance that this thing could get banged late, then high noon is the time for you. So with that in mind, let's get into this matchup, shall we? Um, Toby said something, and you and I talked about it a lot yesterday, and it involves Kale Gundy. And last night when we when we got here, we had a chance to – kind of go down and, and talk to some people and kind of get the vibe for, you know, Oklahoma's been here since since Christmas Eve. Kind of got the feel for how things have, have been going and how everyone feels about, you know, the preparation, what the team has done and what they've gone through. And, you know, you start hearing about a few more people who are on their way to USC, you know, guys that, you know, behind the scenes, you might not know them, a couple of people that were – analysts and worked in equipment you're like oh i hate to see that dude go but you're excited for him because you know at least for them they they've handled everything the right way and and we'll get those are announcements for those guys to make not for me to to talk about here on the show but and 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 i should be very very clear it's well it's a couple of guys that are serving in coaching roles tonight i mean obviously we know about brian odom and we know about Jamar came, but there's a few others. No one, no one that is firmly on the staff for 2022. Did I make that vague enough? I don't want to confuse anyone. I like the Kale Gundy's, the Joe John Finley's, uh, the DeMarco Murray's, Bill Beatonbow. Who am I leaving out? Uh, those guys aren't going. You know, Jeff Levy. They're, they're 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 here. You know, that's not who I mean. I mean some analysts and some guys who are helping out are are, are moving on to USC after this. But there has been an across the board over-the-top excitement about Kale Gundy calling plays. And two things I think you're going to see tonight, Josh. Number one, I think you're going to see more than that little piece of paper in the hands of Lincoln Riley. I think that there's going to be a sweet Denny's menu that Kale Gundy's going to have at his uh, in his repertoire tonight in order to to call plays. And then number two, this is everyone I've talked to, and I'm not I, – I, listen, I listened to last hour Toby show, heard your calls, we've taken the calls, we've read your text messages, we know. Um, I'm not one of these guys that believes in the there was a distraction and there wasn't, there wasn't the, the attention to detail. I don't – I don't think any coach ever goes into any game thinking, well, I've got this waiting for me. It's okay if we lose. I just I, I can't allow myself to believe that. So with that disclaimer, I've heard the focus and the attention to detail has been off the charts for this Oklahoma game plan for tonight. 
And while some of y'all might look at it as, well, you know, it's an, it's an interim position. It's an interim situation. So, you know, it, it, we'll just see how buttoned up everything is. Oh, no, no, no. Josh, I'm here to tell you that this is as well designed and put together of a game plan as Oklahoma has had all year long. And, and I want to make this very clear. I want to make this very clear. That's not a shot at anyone. It's just Lincoln was Lincoln did it, and, and he was focused on it, and there was a few people that he would trust to, to, to count on for, for help and some of their insights and their perspective. But Kale's ready, and oh my gosh, has there been a, an incredible amount of, of detail and thorough planning going into this. Now, some might say, shouldn't that be every single week? And I would say, yeah, yeah, it, it, it is, and it was, and it has been. But for some reason, when you hear about someone getting an opportunity like this, even whenever they've been coaching since basically the day they stopped playing, doesn't it kind of fire you up a little bit when you hear that, Josh? Or am I just am I making too much of something? Yeah. Why wouldn't that fire you up? I'm just excited for what this go, this is going to look like tonight. And as many different heads that are around to bounce ideas off of and put ideas into this game plan, then have at it. But uh, ultimately, right, we think that in terms of the installation, a lot of different voices. But once we boot this thing off, it's Kale Gundy and Brian Odom, right, calling the shots offensively, defensively. I'm fired up. I'm fired up. I, and, and it's awesome. You know, a bowl game brings so many people together. Um, and w- when we come back, I, I want to get into – why some people s all over bowls, but why for me and last night was a good reminder how fun they actually are beyond the nightlife and the partying and all that stuff. But Josh, before we go to our first break, I'd be remiss, man, if I didn't open the show up with the the sad news out of the world of broadcasting in the National Football League with the passing of John Madden. Uh, I spent I, I did a Mad Dog show this morning, and we spent about three hours. I talked to Chris Mortensen this morning. How cool is that? And I mean, I, I'm still able to say that I wasn't old enough to really know much about John Madden, the coach. John Madden, to me, was the broadcaster that went, and boom, and he did that, and boom, and talked about, you know, Gatorade jugs, his family, and there's a baby Gatorade bottle, and there's a, uh, not bottle, but like when they're doing the Gatorade baths, and we'll talk about William Refrigerator Perry losing weight because he's wearing T-shirts. I mean, this is a dude, and, and I, I pose it online, and I'm, I'm not trying to say that it's right, but Pat Summerall and John Madden, when they came on your TV, you knew you were watching the biggest game of the weekend, right? And it's, it's not as if every game turned out great. It's the NFL, and it's, well, football. But I just – I loved everything about that dude. Even his post-broadcasting life, he was at the front and center of concussion awareness – the video game obviously is something that I play well, probably every day still today, and I just I don't know Josh. I, he was always a Raider, so that made it even a little bit near and dear to my heart. Even though I never remember him calling a Raiders game, because <laughs> usually John Madden was always calling. So what he did Monday night, Sunday night football for a little bit, but 
uh, he, he was always calling the NFC games, so I felt like John Madden was like the voice of the Cowboys because it was always either a Niners or a Cowboys game that he was calling. But he was a Raider, and we had had unparalleled success. You know, in five straight AFC championship games, won the Super Bowl with Madden as a coach. But like I said, he wasn't coach to me. He was a broadcaster who made football fun and made it relatable to everyone else, right? Absolutely. Someone that made it made it, I think, easy to understand for people that didn't understand a lot about football. Simplified the game, which is right. really the – I mean, that's the art form of being a great color commentator is making something accessible to viewers that didn't think that they would understand it. He popularized the Telestrator, right? I, I don't know that anyone before or after has had more fun with that tool. And then all of the the catchphrases. Uh, I mean, the the fact that a video game franchise has has become arguably the the biggest video game franchise and has had as much success as the Madden franchise has had is in no small way. It's due to who John Madden was, the the icon, the the personality. So he was a voice of my childhood in, in a lot of ways, one of them for sure. Yeah, no, no question. Toby put it great on Twitter. You know, it's, you know, you think about it, we we talk about Romo and we hear the oohs and the ahs, but no one ever is like, eh, yeah, that's kind of like Madden. It's it's different, right? There's there's nobody that you say, he kind of reminds me of John Madden because – he was unique in everything he did. I, I wasn't aware of this. You know, he was an assistant coach at a community college for what for like three years. Then he was the head coach for like five, and then boom, he's in the NFL. And basically, less than a decade after being a head coach at a community college that I never heard of before, John Mann is the is the 39-year-old head coach of the Oakland Raiders and winning football games while burning heaters nonstop on the sidelines. <laughs> uh, love them, man. R.I.P. John Madden. Did you get to watch the documentary yet that they aired on Fox on Christmas? No, and I was so disappointed yeah. with myself when we flipped over and there was like 30 minutes left of it on Christmas Day. Oh. I, I said, <laughs> I said, Dang it. I, I meant to wake up and hit the record option on that. So I'll watch it at some point. I'm sure it was fantastic. Everything I hear was amazing. Um, I, I've got some news, by the way. They're going to re-air it coming up here, I think, in the next couple of days. And uh, I'm the same. I can't wait to watch it as well. Okay. RIP John Madden will pay tribute throughout the show today. You'll hear from uh, – well, you'll hear John Madden. As the show rolls on, I loved his Hall of Fame speech where he talked about the busts talking to each other, and kind of that's what he viewed it. You know, and his, it was one thing that, that Chris Mortensen told me this morning. He said, you know, he didn't really believe that, but the way that he said it and the way that he told the story, it made you believe that he believed that. And it was a great point. All right, uh, take a time out. 405-329-9000. What is the Oregon mindset heading into tonight's game? We'll talk about it next. So was I talking to myself that whole break, Josh? That's all I need to know. I, y- yes, you were. Okay. I, yeah, I slipped out to begin with, and then I, 
I didn't hear you say anything though. Did you? Did you have I the mic on? Yeah, yeah, you know, I was okay. So he, here is my my question that I was I was posing. I was workshopping something in my head, and he, here was the question that I was coming up with. If if the rock and roll tequila bath was really happening, is it in poor taste if I'm standing there with a little lime and some salt ready to catch some strays? <laughs> is that a bad look or is that okay? I think that would be a tremendous look. <laughs> Maybe like, all right, here comes the rock and roll tequila bath, and all of a sudden you see me standing there with like two Gatorade cups. It's like, oh, hey, guys, be careful over there. Like, Come on, Gabe, let's go. But I, I just want to make this very clear. Uh, I, I couldn't and wouldn't do that because I would die. And, and if they did do that, you ever – I want to have a conversation, that, but I don't want it to get me in trouble. But I'm going to have it anyway. So you ready? I'm ready. Okay. Have you ever had something in your life that your body had such a dramatic reaction to that even the smell of it since chills up your spine and you contemplate whether or not you're going to be able to not throw up. Now, again, this could be anything. This could have been something from your childhood. Uh, I had a friend of mine that had a problem with Cool Ranch Doritos. Don't know why, um, but if I had Cool Ranch Doritos around him, well, A, it was beautiful because it would keep him away from me. But B, he had some sort I'm kidding. He knows. If he's listening, you know who you are. Um, but it, it was just, it was that gag reflux. Like, bleh, bleh, he's in trouble if you got the Cool Ranch Doritos around you. Do you have anything, Josh Helmer, anything like that in your life? I'm sure, and, I'm sure again, there that's is that's usually something. fall in the alcohol world. It, it's, a lot of times it falls in the alcohol world, right? For instance, um, oh, tequila. If I even smell it, <laughs> there's a really good chance that it could be game over, man, game over, and your boy could be in big-time trouble. But you haven't had any experiences with anything like that. Gin is officially a stay away for me, but I don't know that the smell is so intoxicating that it causes that effect in me. I'm sure there's – I'm trying to think. Nothing off the top of my head, really. Okay. All right. Yo, you're a lucky man. Uh, my wife, it's like crown. She can't smell crown because if she does, it, it kind of, I think, brings back a New Year's Eve memory. Um, I think I can't. Thankfully, I've forgotten what it was, but there is a certain back in when I thought I was way too cool days that I tried out. And um, it's like now if someone even mentions the name of it, which thankfully I blocked it from my mind. It's like you hear me. It's like, oh. Okay, you don't have anything that does that to you? You're pretty lucky if you don't. So a gin maybe, right? <laughs> I'm definitely not going to partake in that if, if you offer it okay. to me. I can certainly confirm so I, that. I, I guess my point is I'm going to need a heads up if indeed something like this tries to go down tonight. I'm going to need like like a, a, a good 20-minute heads up. It's like, Mike, go use up by 30. They're going to do the rock and roll tequila uh, bath. You need to head back to the locker room now. That's that's the kind of heads up that I need on this front. So if anyone wants to do me a solid, if this is really something that people are trying to make happen, then I need to make sure I'm as far away from it as possible. Does that make sense? Tequila has that effect put on me, you. 
<laughs> put put me as far and not not necessarily like I'm going to try to drink it. That was all fun, but just even the scent of it might be a bad thing, which is weird because I don't mind margaritas. I'll figure. But I, before we get too carried away, I don't think that's happening. I think it was fun. I, it was a fun question that Jason Kersey asked. I think the press conference happened what during the final hour of our show yesterday. I think you you kind of see the personality of, of of Bob Stoops and how he's enjoying this, but. Here's the other question that I wanted to pose. I was listening to Tyler and Teddy on The Rush weekdays from uh, 3 to 6 with Teddy and Tyler right here on the Ref Sports Radio Network. Josh, if people constantly were saying, man, you're – dude, what's changed in you? You're just – this is great to see how how outgoing you are and how how you're like – you just seem to really be enjoying things. Would there be a part of you that's like, what was wrong with me? before what what are you trying to say here and i and at the time i was like oh come on then i thought that's actually a pretty good point right and everyone seems to be saying it about bob stoops so you're saying i was just uh a big ball of nasty before i was no fun (laughs) it it is different though (laughs) with, with bob stoops isn't it he's just he's so removed from the stress of the situation that he can he can let his personality shine a little bit, and I do think probably you know getting to be a part of Big Noon Kickoff, what he's done there, he's realized oh it, it's okay to let a little bit more right. at times of my personality shine. I don't have to be buttoned up. But you so you don't think in his mind it's like uh, to, but I don't know how many people like dude. So great to see you be like this now. You don't think it's one of those situations where Bob's like, hey, shut up. What's wrong with you? I've always been a great guy to be around. <laughs> yes, there's got to be some layer of that. When you hear it that many times from that many different people, that many different places, <laughs> yes, I'm sure there is a little bit of that. You finally reached that point with, well, I, you know what I haven't had yet that would be, I haven't had a Bob Stoops, well, what do you mean? That's the one thing that I, I don't feel like that we've had so far. So, Bob Stoops um, will be interesting to see how things pan out tonight. We'll talk more about the uh, fun side or the actual game side of this. In fact, let's do it right now because I tease it. It's nine thirty. It's the Plank Show right here on the Ref, the home of Sooner fans. Four zero five three two nine nine thousand. If you want to jump in on the phones, four zero five six five one three four three nine on the Air Comfort Solutions text line. This was. Oregon interim coach Brian McClendon, who was – and yesterday, yesterday he was very much in defense mode, right? It, it seemed as if for Brian McClendon, his whole approach was, no, 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 we've got more people than necessary – we don't have 31 scholarship guys out, yada, yada, yada. Which, by the way, Josh Helmer, I've been told that they do. Um, but here's what the Oregon interim coach had to say when asked about the Oregon opt-outs and his thoughts on one Caleb Williams. Oh, wait, hold on. Littering Ann, Littering well, Ann. Some of those guys that, like, like you said, are sitting out, and I'm not – too upset about that, uh, about about those decisions, to be honest with you, uh, which the quarterback made the same one. I kind of alluded it, uh, alluded to it. I, I feel like they have uh, probably the best playmaker in the country at quarterback, um, you know, regardless of regardless of how old or young he is. I mean, the guy, is, I think, is a phenomenal player. 
Um, and, and you see instantly what he does to everybody on the field. I mean, he, he truly makes you play the entire snap of football. Some of those guys. Well, he does. So high praise for Caleb Williams from yesterday. You know, I, I, I hate it because I feel like a lot of the Caleb Williams talk goes from beyond this game, Josh, to, well, what's going to happen after this game? But as you can tell from Brian McClendon, a ton of mutual respect with what they feel like um, they feel like Caleb Williams can do, isn't there? Yeah, and there should be. He He's right. Caleb Williams, uh, what he could do with both his feet and his arm, we know that he's he's got one of the strongest arms in in the country. So just seeing those physical raw tools on tape, I'm sure that McClendon does sit there and step back and say, whew, <laughs> they got a pretty talented signal caller over there, even though he also knows from watching the tape that probably Oregon feels like if they can do some certain things that – Hey, he he is he is a younger quarterback, and there have been, in some ways, at least at times, some cracks in the foundation here. These final three games for Caleb Williams. Now, that's that's not to say that Caleb Williams today isn't fully capable of going out and throwing five touchdowns <laughs> and for four hundred yards, but it's uh, it's a little bit of both. But I'm sure that he has been impressed with just his sheer talent. Absolutely. All right, uh, we'll take a time out. I, I got Bob Stoops I want to share from yesterday beyond the kind of viral stuff from uh, the tequila soundbite. I thought he was really good in just talking about the practices and the week of preparation. But I want to share a little bit about what we've learned about this week of preparation since we've been down here. I know it's only been a handful of practices, but a lot of really good information on how Oklahoma is approaching this showdown against Oregon. And we'll get to it next right here on the Home Sooner Fans. All right, welcome back into the Plank Show. Hang in there, True Sooner. I'll get right to you. I got a line open if you want to jump in at 329-9000. That's 405-329-9000. We mentioned the Marvin Mims quote from yesterday and how it kind of started to make the rounds. Here's a little bit of what Marvin Mims said about his meeting with Brent Venables and Jeff Levy. This was on – is this yesterday? No, 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 no. I'm sorry. Every day's running together. This was the offensive availability. Monday. Thank you. Um, Yeah, I've talked to Coach Venables and Coach Levy. you know, that week while they were moving in, you know, they had to move their families, all that stuff. But um, I definitely want to be here. You know what I mean? I haven't made that much of a decision yet, but I still want to be here. I'm pretty sure that everyone playing in this bowl game still wants to be here, too. You know, there's been some departures um, that go to other schools and stuff like that. But me staying here, I definitely want to be in the Crimson and Cream next season. So, again, that's we spent a little bit of time on this yesterday. And it's, and it's one of those where you're like, oh, yeah, let's go. But then, Josh, at the core of it, it's like, you know, I still haven't really made much of a decision, but, yeah, I definitely want to be here. That's that's a really – it's a, I love Marvin Mims, right? It's, it's great to hear his voice, but that's just – it's kind of tough to really draw anything from that except something incredibly positive, right? I think so, <laughs> unless some <laughs> other items drastically change. Probably, right. probably the follow-up would have been – what could change to make this where you you wouldn't want to be back? But you know, again, that's not necessarily Ooh, not necessarily the setting to just keep you know drilling in on. Are you going to be here? Are you going to be here? But it sounds really positive, and yet it wasn't. Hey, I'm staying. Yeah, it sounds positive. It gets you fired up, but yet in the back of your mind, it's kind of fine. 
There is a there is a little bit that is left to the imagination on that front. Um, and, and real quick before I get to before I get to True Sooner at three two nine nine thousand. That's four zero five three two nine nine thousand. Sticking with the offense during Bob Stoops' presser, uh, he was asked about Kel Gundy calling plays for the first time and kind of what he expects. Because again, like I told you guys, everything I've heard has been incredibly positive about the game planning and what's gone into getting Oklahoma ready for this Alamo Bowl. Absolutely, Kel has great experience. You know, with all of our coordinators and and through the years, he's been the guy in the box with the eyes, you know, suggesting plays or the the coordinator, I'm going to, I'm getting ready to call whatever and he, how's it look? It looks good. Go with it. You know, those kind of things. So he's, even though he hasn't been the one that's been coming out of, he's been the one helping the, the, the guy directly that is calling the plays. So he'll, and, and, you know, Kale's been with us forever, you know, so I don't, he, uh, you know, so he'll he'll do a good job. I'm I'm confident of that. I'm fired up about the opportunity that Kale Gundy is getting. Absolutely pumped up. More from Bob Stoops coming up. More from Brian McClendon coming up, uh, and more of you three two nine nine thousand. So let's get to the phones. Uh, True sooner. What's going on, buddy? How are you, man? What's going? On? How's it going? Man? Enjoying another day here on the show. How are you? I'm doing good. Hey, man, so I was going to tell you real quick, you were talking about smells and stuff and taste that, that makes you gag. So, yes. So that I, I back 20 years ago or so, OU used to have pregame parties over at uh, Joe's Taverna. I don't know if you ever heard of Joe's Taverna. Uh, mm, but That's a little pre-me, anyway. if you will. Okay, and then a buddy of mine works with a cat, Rick Walker. He's on that Rick and Brad show in the morning. He used to invite me to his uh, – to his pregames every every week, you know, and, and it was free alcohol. I mean, obviously, uh, you know, they wouldn't oh. do that these days. Yeah. And uh, I've never been a big drinker. I mean, I drink a beer here and there uh, watching football or whatever. But as far as uh, alcohol goes, they, they were giving away uh, a rumple mints that day. And uh, I don't know if you've ever had a rumple mint or not, um, but it tastes like, you know, it kind of has a t- – I don't know, kind of a mouthwashy kind of taste Toothpaste. to it, but it's pretty. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And I had too many before the game, and 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 uh, next thing I know, I'm on the ground looking up at everybody. And so now, every every time that I, you know, throw my mouthwash in, or I, I try to go for different flavors that other than scope or or mint or whatever, because it, <laughs> I have I relive that whole experience again in my mind. So I know exactly where you're coming from on that. So, in other words, every time that you brush your teeth, you have a well, horrible flashback to rumplements is what you're trying to tell yeah, me. Yeah, you know, you, you, I just try to, I try to get other kind of mouthwash that doesn't have <laughs> that scopey gotcha. taste. Hey, I want to make this what, very whatever. clear real quick. Um, I, I want to make this very clear real quick. Pastor Adam, this is True Sooner telling his story, <laughs> not me relaying any experience that I have with this. Uh, by, True Sooner, how big, in your opinion, is a game like tonight? Uh, in other words, as a fan – you know, we were debating whether or not bowl confidence can be carried over to a season, and there's so much that's going to change after this. I don't feel like this is about carrying over momentum. I kind of feel like tonight is about, I don't want to say trying to right or wrong, but getting a good good taste in your mouth after a bad year. To, to me, to me, everything's been positive since, obviously, since Venable stepped off that airplane, you know. And so, to me, it's, to me, it's more since they don't have Levy, since he's not going to be coaching offense, and since uh, 
uh, Venables isn't going to be coaching defense and all that stuff. To me, it's just more of a celebration. Um, I mean, to me, it's just kind of like it, it really doesn't matter one way or the other. I mean, Caleb's not going to stay because he throws five touchdowns tonight. Uh, you know, I, I mean, if, if Levy was – you know what I mean? I, I, I think it's just – I think to me it really is just a celebration. Now, do I think they want to win for Bob? I think it's more of a celebration for Bob. Sure. To me, it's like – it's like, it's like, let's go out and win for Bob because what he's done for the program in the last month. I mean, to me, that's what, that's what this game is about. I mean, light. yeah, to me, it's because he's done a lot. I, mean, it's, I agree. I don't know how many, I don't know how many guys have, you know, I don't know how many programs have gone through a situation like this where they've been as fortunate as, I mean, what, maybe one or two in, 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 in college football history that this has happened. I don't even, I don't even know. I've right. never heard of it happening. Hey, yeah, no, I, I was going to tell you, I, 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 I was going to tell you real quick. I was talking to Josh yesterday. You know, Kel Gundy. You know he's a, you know he's on the podium, and we usually don't see him in this in this spotlight. Uh, but you know, I was thinking. I, I told I told Josh yesterday. I said, wouldn't it have been cool if he'd have walked up there and said, uh, "I'm 50. I'm a man, and I'm ready for this this you know this opportunity." <laughs> I'm I mean, a man. I, I'm fi- I, you know yeah. that, that's one of the things to me that people forget. Kale's not even 50 yet. Kale's only 49 years old. Oh, he doesn't turn okay, 50 okay. until April of this year. He's still wow. young, dude. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, he, but he I'm a man. I'm 49. 49. Would have been pretty good. I mean, he didn't. Yeah, he been yeah I would have taken. Right, hey, thanks for the call, True. All right, we'll see you, man. It would have been all over. Yeah. Is my delay horrible today, or is that just my imagination? <laughs> it's starting to seem like maybe it's not great, but we'll we'll get through. No big deal. Like everything looks good. I'm on our, our magic little hub. I mean, you would think. By the way, do you want to know what Teddy's a big fan of? I don't know if you've caught this or not, but Teddy is a big fan of the Verizon hub. Did you know this? I, I was going back. That's, this is way inside radio talk right now. But I was going back and forth with him on uh, settings and different things of that nature and how it had been going. He's like, let's just say less than flattering terms for the hub. Maybe I'll have to adjust to something else. All right, uh, yeah, I, I'm a man. I'm 49. Kale's only 49. Peeps, he's a young dude, which is why whenever some people say, "Yeah, I wonder if, uh, I wonder if he'll be retiring anytime soon," I'm like, he probably could if he wanted to, but again, he's only 49 years old. He's got a lot of coaching in front of him. He might still be head coach if he wants to someday, but you know, it's. It's funny because I want to. When we come back on the planks, we got the firehouse subs top five stories today coming up right after the top of the hour. But Josh, I want to get your take on what tonight means, and I feel like that's been the overriding discussion here on the show throughout the week. And it's what what is the significance of the Valero Alamo Bowl tonight in the eyes of Sooner fans? Our coverage of the Alamo Bowl as we're live here all day long from San Antonio is brought to you by Windstone Construction. When we come back, we'll talk about. Bowl momentum, and if it's a thing that we believe in, right here on the Home Sooner Fans, the Ref Sports Radio Network. Were you in on the bowl games last night, Josh Helmer? Oh, I was all in, baby. I mean, come on. Wasn't that fun watching Smith and Texas Tech just roll it up? (laughs) I mean, come on. Dude. Wasn't that great watching West Virginia be – no kind of competent running an offense. Oh, oh my gosh. I will say I was very surprised with how bad Mississippi State was last night. I really was. Um, and 
I get it. You know, we we love the the headlines that a Mike Leach can make, right? I mean, we're we're a, we're a sucker for those headlines, and I think we all kind of enjoyed this. And I I won't play the whole thing because it's like a, a minute and forty seconds long, but. This was this was good content. You'd rather not. I've been I've been willing to settle this thing for a long time, but uh, you know, um, but uh, you know they don't seem to be willing to. So you know, I think that's unfortunate. So I think all the people there are great, but <clears throat> you know, some of the leadership is uh, you know they're uh, at least when I was there was very sleazy and slimy and dirty. So when a coach calls his former employer. And the team that he's playing calls their leadership sleazy, slimy, and dirty. Bro, that's like WWE-style stuff. Heading into a bowl game is seemingly, I don't know, maybe the best word would be less. uh, Oh, I'm, I'm sorry. Toby one time used this as a way to describe the energy level at the Kansas game in the pregame. Uh, He called it something a little bit south of electric. Um, the Liberty Bowl, it, Tech versus Mississippi State, probably the buildup would be a little south of electric. But you add Mike Leach and that kind of stuff, you think, oh, gosh, we're in for a game tonight. And then Tech and Sonny Cumbie, my gosh, they just rolled right over him. In all fairness, it's kind of what I expect Oklahoma to do tonight. But I won't lie to you, Josh, that shocked the you-know-what out of me. I don't think – Tech fans were expecting that from Texas Tech. It, it was, yeah, it, it was a thorough beatdown that they put on Mississippi State last night, and th- there was no way to see that coming from Texas Tech. Mississippi State just, I don't know, didn't seem like uh, that game was altogether too important for them. Not to take credit away from Texas Tech, it just looked like a Mississippi State team that was going through the motions a little bit. Um, no, absolutely. Couldn't care less. So, that in mind, we've got the bowl games and the Firehouse Subs top five stories today right now. Big story number two. So, I asked this question at the end of last segment, and I'll, I'm going to pose it on Twitter because I don't believe in it. And I think – I don't think we talked about this yesterday. Maybe and maybe we, we talked about it a little bit on, on the Big 12 show Monday. But, Josh, do you believe in bowl momentum carrying over? And maybe maybe we're, we're starting a conversation that hopefully we're having tomorrow and maybe even on Monday's show after, you know, positive experiences for Oklahoma and Oklahoma State and Tulsa had its bowl win. But do you believe that the momentum from a bowl performance can carry over? I believe that it can carry over into the narratives, into what folks like you and I talk about, and nationally the perception of what a program or of what conferences or, you know, teams' expectations are for an upcoming season. In terms of this Alamo Bowl – having any sort of legitimate uh, effect on 2022? Probably not. Outside of, for example, Reggie Grimes, sophomore defensive end, has played in spots but hasn't had a starting role like he'll have in this game. Okay, there's carryover there. 
Uh, sure. That, that could be the case for Danny Stutzman. That could be the case for uh, a Marcus Stripling, for Isaiah Coe. I mean, you, you go up and down the roster of guys that haven't played a ton. I believe in that carryover. But in terms of if Oklahoma goes out in – Wins by a couple of touchdowns tonight. Does that have any impact on the 2022 season? Probably not. But, uh, you know, for individual players, yes. It's interesting because I think you hit it on the head, and and we'll dive into it more as the show rolls on. I think it's big in the narratives that we have and that we talk about. But more often than not, outside of the 2017 Sugar Bowl into the 2018 season. I feel like every time that Oklahoma's had a uh, quote-unquote momentum-building win in a bowl game, the season goes south, right? Cotton Bowl last year, Sugar Bowl in 2013, 2014, whenever it was. It's just I don't think it carries over for anything other than the narratives in the media. But I will say I think for players it's a lot easier – to enjoy your off-season coming off a bowl win than it is a bowl loss. Thank you, Captain Obvious. I'll be here for the next two hours. 329-9000, Firehouse Subs, top five stories of the day, next right here on the Home of Sooner Fans. All right, so here's a heads up for the forthcoming Firehouse Subs, top five stories of the day, Josh Helmer. I think what we're going to do is spend a lot of time in this segment on big story number five. So I'm just, I'm giving you the heads up now. And then that way we'll be able to get big stories four, three, two, and one after the break. Because I do want to spend some time on this show talking about John Madden. And I do want to have more than just a T's and P's in our first segment, right? I mean, he was, that the, the point was brought up this morning that, John, well, we'll get to it coming up in just a bit. So before we hit the open, let me sprinkle in a little bit of Sooner Sound. So that way we, at the very least, are able to talk all things Alamo Bowl in every single segment. How's that? That way, oh, hold on. I just broke something. Something just fell. Are we on the air? Testing one, two. One, two, three, four. Testing, testing. Oh, okay, good. Yeah, we're live. I knocked, I knocked our, uh, <laughs> I knocked our router off the, <laughs> off the desk here. All right, um, Bob Stoops. I don't know if you know this or not, Josh Helmer, but Bob Stoops is coaching in the bowl game tonight. And last segment we played for you what Coach Stoops had to say about Kale Gundy, right? And seeing Kale Gundy get this opportunity and. The, the excitement that it's, it's brought, having Kale call the plays. Well, Bob also talked yesterday during his media, his final media avail, about the importance of getting a win in a game like this. Uh, and, yeah, our message has been similar. Just represent each other the right, right way. Uh, you're, you're playing for that logo, that helmet, that, that, that program. Uh, and there's a big history there, you know. So we, anytime we take the field, we wanna we wanna represent it the right way by the way we play, the manner in which we play, the toughness, the energy, the you know the how hard we play. Those those things don't change. And uh, even though they've been through, just as Oregon has a little bit of upheaval in the last few weeks, the bottom line is we're getting ready to play. And 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 if we're gonna play, we need to play the right way. And and we're playing a great program in Oregon and. 
of course, that, that has our attention as well. So I, I love the message. I absolutely love the message from Bob Stoops. And I, I loved the message from Kale Gundy as well to where, you know, he's, he's a program guy. And to have a program guy in a moment like this in, a, in the last month has been huge. Ain't that right, Kale Gundy? Opportunity to really develop uh, and, and strengthen some relationships with um, our incoming players that were coming in. And, um, you know, again, I, I played here. I've been here a long time. This is home to me. You know, I want the very best for the University of Oklahoma no matter what. And so um, I was going to do whatever I needed to do and, and, and to help recruit and, and to, you know, get on the phone with many of our, our players and, and um, you know, the incoming players and the, and the recruits and the commits and as much as possible to keep this program going in the right direction. It was challenging. Trust me. There, It was, you know, it – it was a tough period for everybody. It didn't matter, you know, the, the changes in coaches, the, you know, the players. It was tough for them. They're still trying to go through finals. Uh, you know, they're, they're finishing up a tremendous season, another 10-win another season for the University of Oklahoma. Uh, but this program is in great, great, great shape. This is not a program that's been going 3-7 and seven and 4-8 and eight and 5-6. and six. This is not who we are here. Um, th- this program is at the, t- at the, uh, at the top of the college football chain, and it's going to continue to stay there. Boy, those two guys talking kind of stabilizes things a little bit, makes you feel a little bit better. So we'll have more from Bob, Kale. You'll hear from uh, Brian Odom, hear from some of the defensive players as the show rolls on. I got a little Jeremiah Hall to share with you, more Marvin Mims, more Kennedy Brooks, but uh, let's get after it. It's time for the Firehouse Subs, top five stories of the day. It's time for the Firehouse Subs, top five stories of the day. The Firehouse Sub Top 5. All right, Firehouse Subs is located on 12th Avenue Southeast between Alameda and Boyd, and that's inside the Crimson Creek Center right here in Norman. It is also available on the Firehouse Subs app. Simply download the app, and you can find the Firehouse Subs closest to you. If you're in Tulsa, if you're in Oklahoma City, um, if you're listening from Texas, San Antonio this morning, we got you covered at Firehouse Subs. Inside that Crimson Creek Center, 12th Avenue Southeast, between Alameda and Boyd. Dining, delivery, or carryout, they got you covered at Firehouse Subs. All right, so as we mentioned, you're going to spend a lot of time on Big Story number 5, so let's get after it. Big Story number 5. Number 5. Oh. Ask this question, and I, I think I know – what the answer is for a majority of us, uh, especially listening to this show, um, how do you remember, and when you think of John Madden, what's the first thing that comes to mind? The coach, the broadcaster, or the video game? <laughs> now, again, you got to remember, the last year he coached was 1978. So if I'm not mistaken, Josh – 1978, you were like, what, minus uh, 15 right. whenever he he quit coaching, right? Right in there. Um, I was three. And I loved the idea of the John Madden coach Raiders. Just didn't really experience it. Didn't really know much about it um, outside of the books and the highlights and, and everything that went with it. So, to me, John Madden, the coach, is – 
it's like a unicorn, right? It's like, oh, he used to coach. And I never seen him smoking cigarettes. And they tried to carry him off, but he was too fat. And he kind of stumbled down a little bit. But also for Raiders fans, it was a time that was filled with AFC championship frustration because they went to the AFC championship game with five straight years and lost four of those five times. So there was a little bit of frustration. The video game is something to this day that I still play. But, Josh, 72% of the nearly 300 people that voted said the broadcaster, and I think that's – that's unanimously what he's remembered as. Yeah, a- absolutely. And if you were to ask me, what what do you remember him as? It would be as the broadcaster. And even even with the Madden video games, my early recollection of those, because you know the Super Nintendo was kind of the first <laughs> console that we had growing up. We had five six different madden games over the years and it was yeah it was it was madden nfl football but it, it's right. the boom hey hey heck of a play boom. i mean it was madden's <laughs> right. commentary in the game that that became so iconic and it stuck with you over the years and you know the new versions of madden aren't really so much that right it's sort of just his namesake on the game and then the the players and the teams themselves but in the old days of Madden NFL football the video game franchise it was very much intertwined with John Madden the the color commentator sure oh i and you know what i as somebody who still to this day plays way too much Madden i mean i'll be the first one to admit it congratulations to Derek Carr uh, five straight MVPs. Raiders haven't lost a game. Uh, I will say, though, there's been two times where I turned off the console in frustration. And you can't play all Madden mode because it's too hard. It's harder than the NFL. I'll just say it now. You guys might not accept it, but you can't play all Madden mode. It's, it's ridiculous. Every pass is picked off. Every run goes to the house. But um, I, I, I missed him because you're right. He was the analyst. He was the guy that was – on the call, and I loved I, someone. I think my man Quinn posted this on Facebook last night. But so the best thing about one of the, some of the early Madden games was when a guy would get hurt, an ambulance would come on the field, and everyone is just like standing around. They put a guy in an ambulance, and it just drives off the field. And for me, I remember the ambulance would drive off the field in this video game, and it would just run over other players that were in its way. Poof, poof! You just see guys getting taken out by an ambulance, but it was it was awesome, and. I, mean, I haven't had a chance to see the entire documentary yet. Um, they're going to re-air it coming up in a bit. But he only would do it. He only would do it if it was true football, right? They're like, oh, we can't. You need to have like it's going to be seven players on the field. And Matt was like, no, no, no. There'll be eleven players on the field if you're going to put my name on a video game. So he obviously during this documentary that I can't wait to see. He was asked about the video game and kind of what it meant to him. thought this was really, really good from John Madden. Um, during his – wasn't it called All Madden? Wasn't that the name of the documentary? During the All Madden documentary that aired on Christmas Day. There's a lot of kids that have learned football by playing the Madden game where they'll say, you know, we ought to do it like they do it in the video game. And I think, holy moly, what a change. You know, it's okay to say, what are you doing? I'm going to go play Madden. So I want to share one story that Chris Mortensen told us this morning. Do you remember Mort's son being a big quarterback recruit? What's Arkansas, I believe, to finish up his career? I think his name was Alex Mortensen. 
he was being interviewed. They were in Atlanta. And he was being interviewed by, like, the Atlanta Journal-Constitution. And think about this. There might, I mean, I, I don't think I need to explain. There, Chris Mortensen was the Adam Schefter and the Ian Rappaport before there was Adam Schefter and Ian Rappaport, right? He was he was the newsbreaker. If Twitter existed when he was around, his well, he's on Twitter now, but he doesn't use it to break news. But, I mean, I, I'm not, uh, for, for a faction of the audience, I don't think I'm shocking anyone, Josh, when I tell them that Chris Mortensen was the guy. He was the Jay Glazer of my childhood, right? Yeah, that that I'm seems assume right. Okay. That seems fair, sure. I think this delay is even worse with this. Either that or someone is bothering you in studio. Don't they understand we're paying tribute to John Madden right now? Anyway, uh so Chris Mortensen's kid was around his dad, who was the ultimate newsbreaker. He was in locker rooms. He was on the field with his dad. Everything you could possibly do growing up NFL, Chris Mortensen's son was able to do because of his dad's access. And when the Atlanta Journal-Constitution does this article on Chris's kid and talking about, you know, football, they asked him, well, what really kind of got you into football? What sparked your love for football? And Mort said, you know, in my mind, kind of selfishly, I was like, ah, here, here it comes. You know, I'm, I might be getting emotional here. He's going to mention dad taking him to the games and, you know, dad having him in the locker room. Right. And, and his son goes, his, his son goes, Madden. Madden was what really got me into football. <laughs> And I'm sure that's the case so, for a ton of people. And it's just interesting because oh, yeah. in that particular case you're talking about, here's a kid that has all sorts of insider access that nobody else else would have had. I mean, it should be dad, but it was John Madden. Ugh, so good. So good. Um, I, I was trying to find the... I think this is it. The John Madden where he talks about the busts is one of my favorite quotes of all time. This is from his this was from his Hall of Fame speech in 2006 and I just I thought this was fantastic. I believe that the busts talk to each other. <laughs> we'll be there forever and ever and ever talking about you know, whatever, and and that's that's what I believe, and that's what I think is going to happen, and no one's ever going to talk me out of that. <laughs> that's funny. By the way, um, he probably didn't believe it, but in all reality, the way that he talked about it made you believe that he believed it. And, you know, he never really wanted to be a broadcaster either and didn't think he'd be that good at it. I wasn't a guy when I was coaching to say, I want to get out. I want to be a broadcaster. Good everyone, Dick Stockton with John Madden. I'm Vin Scully along with John Madden. But I knew after I did the first couple games that that's what I wanted to do. This is it. Uh, and he gave us some great moments whenever he was broadcasting, like talking about William the Refrigerator, Perry getting skinny. There's the fridge. I saw him out here earlier, and he was just in a T-shirt. You know, he's getting that weight down. I've always noticed when a guy gets his weight down, he starts wearing a lot of T-shirts. You know, you know, when you have your weight up there, you wear a lot of coats and stuff over you. I think his weight's going down. Yeah, I do. I think that 7 and a 2 is getting closer to the middle of his body now. <laughs> I mean, just sensational. <laughs> uh, and and then there was this, which you do need the TV to do this full justice, but this was great. 
there's we see the the buckets now there's a third bucket this week i think what happened there's always been yeah there's always been like a mother and father like this is a father bucket this is a mother bucket and since the last game they had a baby bucket so this is a baby bucket so they got three now there always been two one's going to go to parcells one's going to go to another assistant and one will go to a player later in the game I guess that clears up the question as to whether they're married or not. Well, yeah, well, they got married. Yeah, they got married in that baby bucket. That's <laughs> They got married and had a baby bucket as a Dave Meggett is taking one around the outside in a blowout of a of a Super Bowl game. You know, the, the unsung hero of that is Summerall just saying, well, I guess that clears up whether or not they were married. <laughs> just incredible. He was the ultimate straight man. He absolutely was. So, uh, big story number five. I think big story number one in in the sports world: the passing and the remembering of a legend like uh, John Madden. So, uh, we owe you a full breakdown of the rest of the stories. No real way to segue. So we'll take a timeout. We'll come back and hit big stories four, three, two, and one next right here on the Ref live from San Antonio, the side of tonight's Alamo Bowl. I never meant to be so bad now, to a quick you. question for you, Josh. One thing I said that I had you seen, had you been playing Madden by the time, like 92? Was that a time when you were playing video games or were you still way too young? Were you even born in 92? Well, I was not uh, playing video games <laughs> then, but I, I'm i pretty sure like if I go to our house here in Norman, I, I think we own Madden 92. I, I had, I mean, look, I... I have two older brothers, and we played a lot of the Madden video games growing up. Our favorite thing to do was they had, uh, like, the build-your-own-player thing, and you'd go to, like, these little training camps, and there were little mini-games you could you could play. They'd say, up, down, and you'd have to hit up <laughs> on the, the deep end. Down, left. Oh, the weather – so, anyway, welcome into the Plank Show. We're in the midst of the Firehouse Subs Top 5 Stories of the Day. We got uh, all carried away. We're talking about Madden. And I, I have probably, you know, the, the first Madden game was 1988 on the computer. I mean, that was right in my prime gaming life. I think I was playing Gyromite and trying to figure out Nintendo uh, in its earliest, earliest invention. I'm figuring out Super Mario Brothers on Nintendo. And I remember... You know, playing every single year of John Madden, right? I mean, I every you name a year of John Madden, I had it. And I was bringing up how my man uh, Quinn on Twitter or on Facebook last night had posted the best thing was watching the ambulance come out and like everyone's like just standing around. And I remember in like Madden '92, and he just sent me the link and I sent it to you. The ambulance not only would just come out on the field to pick up an injured player, but it would absolutely run over other players. Like, the ambulance is coming out to, and the music is always playing. And then all of a sudden, the ambulance would come out, and you just hear, bah, 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 because it's running over players as it's going to pick them up. And I off-screen mean, running just them over hilarious. again. It's just, yeah, it's yeah, and then as soon as they would terrific. pick the guy up, right, and they put him in the ambulance, it'd circle back around, then it'd run over him again. I'll put it on Twitter so everyone can see it. Thank you. Uh, Quinn, not listening, but thanks to the homies that reached out to him. I appreciate it. All right. Um, you ready to roll here? I guess we can move on. RIP John Madden. Uh, I don't know if there is – what Tiger Woods has done to golf, it's kind of what Madden did to football. 
right? He brought it to a whole new generation. He was entertaining. Um, he was funny. And he was informative. And I don't, I don't think you can ask for a better combo than that. All right. Big story number four. Number four. You know what's kind of funny, Josh, is we could probably do a segment on every single one of the big stories today. Because big story number four, the NFL woke up and realized we've got to upgrade our COVID protocols. We've got to get in line with what the NFR, what the CDC is doing. We, we have to. We must. It's a necessity. And by God, they did. So yesterday, they shortened the period from 10 to 5 days, even for unvaccinated players. And there's a really good chance now guys like Quentin Nelson, Darius Leonard, um, who am I leaving out? Oh, Carson Wentz could be back for the Colts in time for this weekend. Your boy Kelsey's back this weekend regardless, right? Should be good to go, yes. Yeah. So COVID protocols wisely, I think, it, it doesn't hurt my team. You bet it does. It hurts the Raiders this weekend. But wisely upgraded because, I mean, let's let's face it, Josh, no one wants to watch a team that has a roster like the New Orleans Saints had on Monday Night Football. No one wants to watch a team like the Cleveland Browns had last Monday Night Football. We want to see these NFL teams at as full strength as possible. Final two weeks of the season playoff yeah. deciding games division deciding games no you don't want to watch with all all love and respect not trying to he tune in love. for ian ian book the other night <laughs> i like you ian book you seem like a nice enough dude i do not need to see you quarterbacking an nfl team at least for a couple more years so the nfl adjusted that meanwhile um, Baker has taken a lot of heat, as you might imagine. Kevin Stefanski stood up for his guy yesterday. I think Baker told you guys, uh, I'm sure, the other night, he didn't play up to his standard, and we expect him to play at a high level. And I, I think confidence-wise, you know, with the quarterback position, you get too much credit, you get too much blame. And that's just how it is, and, and he'll bounce back, and, and I think he'll be better for it. I do, too. Um, by the way, I, I'm, I'm going to tell you this, too. Kansas City is going to beat the snot out of Cincinnati this weekend. I know you don't want to hear that, but I'm telling you right now, I have never been more sure of anything in my life because what's the one thing that Cincinnati can't handle? Success. Look at every time what's happened to them, people start saying nice things about them. They get smoked. So to me, I'm all in. I'm all in with Cincinnati this weekend, and I'm all in with Cleveland being in a position in their final game of the season to maybe win the AFC North, as crazy as that sounds. Meanwhile, um, Pete Carroll, I guess you could say maybe on the hot seats? Not for one reason at all. Am I thinking that we have to restart this whole thing and, and create a new philosophy and a new approach? And all that yeah. I don't think that. I think we've got the essence of the things that we need. we got to build on them. we got to support it better. And we got to continue to grow and progress. There's no you know, standing still. But there's the foundation for doing things. Every year you have a surprise firing. Right, and it's a surprise because we don't know about it. I still say it would be a surprise if they made a move. But Josh, do you do you think since Cincinnati, listen to me, Seattle could move on from Pete Carroll? I think it's a possibility. Yeah, sure, I do. Me too. Uh, no question about it. I, I, maybe that's exactly what they need: is a new voice, somebody else to take this thing in a little bit different direction. Because obviously, this says 
turned into a disaster season for the Seahawks. All right. Um, big story number three. Number three. Oh. All right. Big story number three. Quickly. This is, this is maybe we could if we wanted to. But let's quickly hit big story number three. Tonight, right here on the ref, the Oklahoma Sooner women's basketball team squares off against Wichita State. It's a 6 o'clock tip. We'll be on the air uh, with a 5.30 pregame on Ref Radio Sports Talk 1400 in Norman. And then I'm traveling with the team. We're supposed to play Texas Tech on Sunday. Now, Tech had a pause in their in their basketball program this week. But everything I've been told is they expect everyone back for their game against Texas Tech or against Oklahoma this Sunday uh, that's going to be a 2 o'clock tip. Men's basketball team back in action Saturday night at 7 o'clock against Kansas State. Big story number two. Number two. Oh. All right. Um, big story number two, Josh Helmer. Bowl games from last tonight. I don't really have much for you on the early, early games except to say, told you, I told you that Houston was going to beat Auburn. Um, Houston takes care of Auburn. Air Force wins. And then we got to what everyone truly was intrigued by, the Pirate versus his former team. And, oh, my gosh, did Texas Tech come to play. Smith looked left first, got plenty of time, and now he's got to step out of it, rolls to his left, throws to the back of the end zone. Sparkman up high for it. Touchdown, Red Raiders. Um, Texas Tech went up 27-7 at that point. They weren't done. Now this time motion by Tharp again left to right. And the handoff to Thompson. He walks into the end zone. Touchdown, Red Raiders. Um, It was ugly, I think is a a good way to put it, unless you're a Tech Tina and a Texas Tech fan, because all that was left after that touchdown run by Thompson was this. Red Raiders have won the AutoZone Liberty Bowl in big-time fashion, 34-7. That's unbelievable. So, final score, 34-7. to Texas Tech absolutely, positively rolls. Were you surprised at all by that? <laughs> yeah, I didn't think they were winning by 27 points over Mississippi State. No chance. But now, all of a sudden, a little momentum for Texas Tech entering 2022. Obviously, it's uh, the McGuire era for Texas Tech now, and it looks like they've got a nice little founding block in their quarterback in Donovan Smith. What should they be prognosticated as? I mean, I don't know, probably probably about like they finish this season. Seven-win team, but that's not a bad place yeah. to start with that quarterback. No, it's not. And then uh, late last night, if he went to bed early. And Ford again in motion. Again, it's a handoff. Thomas lowers his shoulder. He is in. Touchdown, Minnesota Golden Gophers. So yesterday I went on Big Ten Radio, and they asked me, hey, what are you, what are you looking for in this game tonight? Now, I will not lie to you, Josh. They asked me a lot more about the West Virginia-Minnesota game than I expected. Um, but I told them, I said, I'm really interested to see how Garrett Green is going to be used. I think that he's been a fun weapon, and I'm excited to see how West Virginia uses him on, on Tuesday night. I don't, I don't think Garrett Green stepped on the field last night, did he? He he did, he, he did, and oh. he promptly came in and fumbled the snap that was sent back to him. And this came immediately on the heels 
of a West Virginia second-half interception. I mean, it, last Good night job. was so discombobulated for them that, boom, you get that interception, and then all of a sudden you decide, okay, this is a great spot to try Gary Green. Uh, he can't handle the snap. <laughs> Immediately they go right back to Daigie. The drive goes nowhere. I mean, they were so bad offensively last night. Oh. It was it was hard to watch for Mountaineers fans, I'm sure. Do you know what that was, though? I mean, that was a bowl game that it just seemed – and, again, I love bowl games. But that was a bowl game that it seemed like two teams were playing in that couldn't care less. Now, Minnesota celebrated, and P.J. Fleck got the Gatorade bath, and he was rowing the boat. But I just – watching that thing, it was, oof, they don't want to be there. They do not want to be there. Here's your bowl schedule for today. Because, obviously, we're all in on the Alamo Bowl, and we're going to hear from Bob Stoops coming up next. But we have a very, very busy Wednesday, December 29th, which will kick things off at 2.15 today in the New Era Pinstripe Bowl, Maryland versus Virginia Tech. The Cheez-It Bowl is at, uh, I'm sorry, 1.15 today. I don't know why I have Eastern times down here. Uh, 4.45 for the Cheez-It Bowl, Clemson and Iowa State, and then, of course, tonight, at 8.15, let's talk about big story number one. Number one. Number one. Number one. All right, it's 10.35 on a Wednesday morning. The Alamo Bowl is tonight. Game on, baby. Game on. Let's hear from Bob Stoops next as we get ready for Oklahoma and Oregon. The Alamo Bowl right here on the Ref Sports Radio Network. 23rd straight year that Oklahoma will be in a bowl game. It's the longest streak in school history. Kind of gives you an idea of the incredible consistency. And like I said, you guys can treat bowl games how you want, and that's fine. It's it's a it's a personal thing, I guess. But 23 straight bowl games, there's a lot more bowls now than there were in the 70s and the 80s. But the previous record was eight for Oklahoma. Eight seasons in a row. Um, 55th total bowl appearance fourth nationally and Oklahoma's won six of the seven meetings in fact Josh before we get to the phones at three two nine nine thousand you had said this is the what's 15 year anniversary the last time Oklahoma beat Oregon the holiday bowl was on this day 16 years ago yeah to the day sorry kind of (laughs) kind of wild how uh that all works out um, speaking of, of the wild nature of it, uh, it's, it's crazy to think about big plays in this series, right? Adrian Peterson going off against, uh, Oregon in Eugene only to have Dennis Dixon and the, the bad onside kick call. I think about that bowl game a lot that you just mentioned in the Clint Ingram interception that sealed it. You know, it's, that was a big year because it was so littered with, with disappointment and, and frustration and it ended with that bowl win, and I just – I think it's kind of an underrated moment whenever you beat Oregon in that bowl. And that's a really good Oregon team, too. Um, but, yeah, it's, I, I'm excited. I'm excited for tonight. Let's get to the phones. 329-9000. I've got more from Oregon's coach and kind of their numbers and where they are. We'll play that for you in a bit. But Bill has been hanging in there. Bill, welcome to the show. What's going on, man? Good morning, Bill. Uh-oh. Is Bill gone? We lost Bill. Bill's gone. Bill, are you there? All right, well, let me get to Brett. He, he's gone. Gone, so gone. That's my bad. I probably left him there too long. All right, Into let me the vortex. Get you a little... Into the vortex. So let me get you a little bit of the, 
uh, of the Oregon side of things. Now, it hasn't been easy, right? I mean, I think we all kind of understand that, you know, both teams have had opt-outs, right? Oklahoma has been hurt by opt-outs. Also hurt by opt-outs has been Oregon, maybe even much more, obviously, so than Oklahoma. But yesterday, Brian McClendon was asked, you know, the report is, I think Dino asked the question, it was reported you have 31 players that have missed, are going to miss the bowl game, you know, what's that, is that true? And, well, here's what Brian McClendon said. Um, I'll say this, they probably missed some time in one way, shape, or form um, because of coming back from some injuries and things and things right. of that nature. I mean, like you get, you're getting Bennett Williams back, you know what I mean, who he was unavailable, but you're getting him back. Um, so I mean, they've missed time in one way, shape, or form. But to act like to act like we're we're, we're going in there how we how we were in Ohio State that that would that would be false also. So um, I mean, but you know, so we're having to dig into some depth at, at some at some different spots. But it's it's all most of it is all bumps and bruises associated with play. Um, so I mean, I think you know what, what we have to do is make sure that the guys are able to kind of step up and it's giving guys some opportunities to be able to do that. Um, but it's not 31. I don't know exactly what the number is to be able to, to do to be able to correct or rectify what was out there. And I didn't even know that until you said that. But um, but it, it is not. We're not missing 31 guys right now from, from okay. you know out of 85. I mean now, uh, like I said, but but we are down some guys and and, and depth and depth could be an issue uh, at some certain spots. And Bob, from a uh, missing player standpoint, you you have the four. Uh, good defensive players who are opting out for the NFL. What do you do defensively? Is there, uh, have you patched things up? Do you feel good about where you are going into this game of what you have? Absolutely. Um, you know, you're not going to play with nine, ten guys. We're going to have 11 guys out there, and these young guys want an opportunity, and they're good players. So I, I've loved what the energy, the the way they've been playing uh, on defense and practicing. I think Coach Odom's done an awesome job with those guys, and. And, uh, you know, most of those guys are all up front, but we, we've got some depth up there. So these young guys that are going to get more snaps have to step up and play. But, but they're capable of playing well. So, I'm, you know, I'm, it'll, it'll be a challenge. I, I love their front uh, offense and defense. I mean, their front guys are darn good. I mean, you turn on the tape, and we said it. I watched it an hour with Coach Odom and loved the, uh, the O-line. I mean, they're, they're, they, they play well. So, uh, but again, these guys got to step up and play. There you go. So that was uh, a little bit of not only the Oregon perspective, but also Bob Stoops with where Oklahoma is. That's it's one of my favorite things about bowl games is seeing young guys get an opportunity. But I was, I, I won't lie to you, I was a little bit perplexed by Coach McClendon's take because he seemed adamant that it wasn't 31 players. But then – it's almost as if he hedged every single bet. It's like, no, it's not 31. But, I mean, you know, there's some guys that are out. <laughs> it's, I, I just – I don't know why. And If you look at the last night, the team pictures. And, Josh, I, every bowl game there's a team picture where they have every one of the team and every one of the staff. And it's, it's kind of a bowl game tradition, right? You see the picture and the – in usually the the game programs, and I'll never forget, you remember the 2017 Rose Bowl, what the big question was about the team picture? Was Baker Mayfield, is he sick? Is is Baker there? How's he acting? Is he 
Is he moving around okay? Is everything? Is he going to be okay? What's what's Baker Mayfield look like in trying to get ready for this bowl game? So, you know, there, there's always some kind of angle to it. I saw the team picture for Oregon. Bro, there's more staff members than there are players in their team picture. <laughs> so, you know, he's going to say, oh, no, 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 it's not 31. And, and I know they had a pretty good number of guys that were at practice the other day. But I'll tell you what. The good news is Coach McClendon saying it's bumps and bruises. The bad news would be I don't I mean I don't know I don't think they're testing or anything before the game, nor should they. Because I talked to Jeff Schwartz this morning who covers Oregon is on Pac twelve radio, and his thought was if they have any COVID issues, this game could be in peril. But like I said, noon, I think we're good. Josh, he seemed to fire back, somewhat secretive. Don't know if there's a competitive advantage there or not, but it will be very interesting to see what the numbers look like tonight for Oregon. Well, maybe they are expecting a couple of guys back by this evening that yeah. they, they sort of let rest throughout the uh, the practices. I, I don't know, but based on what we saw from from Oregon reporters that are tied in and were at practices and have been following this thing via a combination of whether you, whether it's COVID testing, whether it's transfers, opt-outs, or injury, Oregon coming into this game as of two days ago was working with 60 to 65 players, which would be, you know, down 20 from the the 85 that you get allotted. So they're going to be down defensive talent. Yeah. I mean, there's no doubt they are. Can I pass along one other thing, too, on on Oklahoma that I heard last night? Yes. Which, by the way, the last time that I heard this was right before the Baylor game, just so I if you take it for what it's worth. But beyond the opt-outs, Perion Winfrey, Isaiah Thomas, Brian Osamoa, and Nick Benito, who, by the way, I did have to laugh this morning when Nick Benito tweeted game day. It's like, bro, what? Game day? For who? Well, get here then. For, get here then. What are you doing? Come play. Um, He's thinking about running a Twitter space on, uh, on game day. I mean, oh, dude, how much money would he – or how many people would be in that bad boy tonight? Um, as healthy as they've been all year long. There's the, – the training room had one person in it. And you know who that one person in the training room was? Caleb Kelly. And he was just kind of hanging out. I mean, that's pretty cool for a bowl game. Now, they're not – again – they're down a couple of guys because of the, the, the transfers of Spencer and Austin Stogner. I feel like there's someone else in that mix. So that you're I'm saying out. go time for Theo Weiss? Go time for Theo Weiss. Go time. All right, quick break. Um, gosh, more of the Plank Show. I feel like I need more time on this show today. 329-9000, 405-329-9000. Get in here as we head on the home stretch on the Home Center Pain. Plank Show wrapping up. Hour number two. We're back with you. He is Chris Blank. I am Josh Elmer. We're counting you down all day right here on the Ref Sports Radio Network. Alamo Bowl coverage wall to wall until we boot this thing off later tonight. Let's go. Of course, Alamo Bowl coverage, might I say, is brought to us by Windstone Construction. Air Comfort Solutions text line. Play catch up here for just a moment. 405 651 
three four three nine. Rhett Bomar was our quarterback in that bowl game. He was sixteen years yep. ago. Correct. And if if I remember correctly, that season, gosh, I want to go back and look at it. It was, you know, I was very much uh, a noob in the sports radio world. I was just kind of finding my way. And I'll never forget now hearing some of the stories looking back about everything that team had to overcome. You know, you, you're coming off a national championship game appearance, right? You're coming off having to play for a title. And the reason, let me tell you why this game or this season stands out to me, because, you know, I was on the Tulsa beat and TU came into Norman on September 10th that year. And it took, it took everything for Oklahoma to be able to pull away. Garrett Mills had one of the more amazing days that I've ever seen for a tight end have against Oklahoma in what was game two of the season coming up or coming off what was a home loss to TCU. Josh, that team in 2005 started the year with a home loss to TCU. Think about that. And that was pre, that was pre Andy Dalton. You know, that wasn't a, I don't believe that was one of those TCU teams that, uh, they went 11 and 1 that season. Oh, wow. Maybe they're a little better than I, than I gave them credit for. But their quarterback was Corey Rogers for TCU that season. Anyway, um, I, I just, I remember being there and I, and I ran into a guy at halftime of the Oklahoma Tulsa game because I was walking around and, and he was leaving. I'm like, where are you going? He goes, I've seen enough. I'm done with these guys. <laughs> and you realize you were coming off a national championship. Or a game appearance, national championship game appearance. You had what you thought was your new quarterback ready to go, and it just wasn't clicking. And then they went out to UCLA and got smoked. They bounced back with a win over Kansas State and got demolished in the OU Texas game. They started out that year, Josh, two and three. But then they went on a run. They put together four straight wins. They got robbed in Lubbock. In fact, I think that's the infamous clip. When J.D. Runnels is doing his post-game presser and the guy is yelling, Go Raiders! in the background. I think that's the year. But they found a way. Dusty was a captain on that team. And they found a way to bounce back and finish this season on a bright note. So I I love that year. It was a challenging year. It was a tough year. But the way they persevered I thought was pretty awesome. Pretty awesome. It's not going to be a season, you know, at eight and four that people talk about in the lores of Oklahoma history, but it was there was a lot to overcome that season for Oklahoma, and I thought they did a pretty good job uh, as the season progressed. Gosh. So uh, a Rhett Bomar reference in the show. Who would have thought it? All right, hour three is next, live from San Antonio with the Plank Show. Leafs pass. That's your door slammer. All right, any other, I feel bad. Air Comfort Solutions text line 405-651-3439, 405-651-3439. Any other uh, text that you want to hit? I kind of got a little carried away talking about that uh, 05 team. 
yeah, we got a decent amount here. I'll just rifle through three. What do you say? Wonder how the Oregon coach feels about going against the Hall of Fame coach. He was – so I, during the breaks, we've been chopping up audio and sending stuff to T-Row for the broadcast tonight and just for the rest of this show. And I keep wanting to say Lloyd McClendon because the baseball manager's name is Lloyd McClendon, and it's stuck in my head for some reason. I, R.I.P. Lloyd McClendon? Is he still with us? Ooh. Big time, big time moment here. R.I.P. Lloyd McClendon. Is he still with us? What's your take, Josh? <laughs> Uh, I I don't know. Yeah, I, I don't have I don't have a good take on that. You you don't? He's still with us. Uh, currently working with the Detroit Tigers. You might remember Lloyd McClendon from his managerial days in Pittsburgh, Seattle, and the Detroit Tigers. All right. Anyway, um, so Brian McClendon was asked in a roundabout way about, hey, what's it been like? And he was just gushing on Bob Stoops, as you might imagine. Our coach has been great to us. He's been great. Um, it, it, Dave, it's, it's been really cool. So I think, I, I think more than anything else, it's a situation, Josh, where for, for Coach McClendon, he's just excited to have the opportunity to, sure. to, to get this chance to coach. Yeah, I, and I think that's one of the main reasons why you're seeing uh, Oregon continue to push through this because – I think the guys that are around want this for this Oregon team to play in this game today. Well, and you and I have talked about this over the last several weeks building up to this game. It's really – when you get paired up with somebody in a bowl game, chances are your seasons have mirrored one another in some way, shape, or form. And that's that's the case for Oklahoma and Oregon here where – Oregon, after that big win at Ohio State, everybody's thinking, okay, this is the team that's breaking the drought for the Pac-12 Conference. They're getting into the college football playoff, and then, obviously, it falls in upon itself, and Utah smacked Oregon around twice. Oklahoma enters this season as the, the favorite to potentially a trendy, popular pick to win a national championship, certainly to get to sure. the college football playoff with uh, the odds-on Heisman favorite and quarterback – Spencer Rattler coming in. Okay, a little drama in between. You wind up with a sure. true freshman starting quarterback in Caleb Williams. That did not take you off course. That helped chart your course forward and seemed like Oklahoma maybe had found its uh, its quarterback, maybe had found its solution offensively. Sure. Didn't play out that way. You lose two of your final three. So each of these two teams had college football playoff serious college football playoff aspirations at one point sure. or another this season and both of them lost twice and now find themselves uh playing against each other in this alamo bowl so i think there's a lot of similarities between the two and as much as on our side of the equation we say okay well ou's got all of the motivation in this game and i do think that they they own the edge there in the motivation sure. uh side of the equation I think that favors Oklahoma I mean it's not all that different for Oregon who's gone through a coaching change on the heels of what has turned out to be a disappointing season and I'm sure in Oregon circles there's a lot of conversation about okay well this is a way to make good on what was kind of a bad end sure yeah absolutely absolutely um I'll add one more thing to it I, I I do think Josh that there is something to be said about what you just hit on teams that are not where they expected to be in the preseason now maybe 
you can craft that a little differently for Oregon. Because if you talk to most Oregon insiders, their take is, well, we never expected to be in this position to begin the season. And when I say that position where they were in the first playoff rankings and, and to be a team that was playoff caliber, they kind of looked at 2022 as being that, that year that you circle and they say, yeah, that's, that's the year. They didn't expect it. But that, that's our conversation about expectations, right? Suddenly you beat Ohio State and everything changes. Anthony Brown looks like a, a rock star, and you think, oh, my gosh, this 60-year senior has it figured out. We're going to roll. And then the next thing you know, you get beat by Stanford, you get rolled by Utah twice, and everything changes. So it's interesting, and I, well, I'll, I've got a cut here from Coach McClendon that we'll get to in just a bit, but he talked about that expectation. And so did Bob Stoops, for a matter of fact, but we'll get to that in a bit. I, I don't want to get carried away here again. we got a couple more texts you want to hit here real quick. Sure. John Madden reminds me a lot of the great John Candy. I will miss them both. Okay, how about this How about this game? Because I, uh, I did this earlier. Do you know what year John Candy passed away in? No, I don't. Uh, not off the top of my head. 1994. Oh, my goodness. John, I know, right? So, uh, John Candy, who passed away at the age of 44. That's scary. But yeah, there was a lot of similarities. You know, that that's one thing about John Madden that is never really appreciated enough. Dude had a sharp sense of humor, and I, and I dug that about him. All right, let's get one more text, and I'll move on to this audio. Okay, one more text, which is the best right here. So Marvin Mims is saying he's not going to LSU. Hey, e- easy now. Don't you put that evil on us, Ricky Bobby. Was there was there rumors that he was was leaving? No, that's um, just in to reference to No, that's just in reference to Hey, he he oh, said he okay. said I want to be okay. here, but it wasn't an outright "Hey, I'm staying." And a reference to to Lincoln Riley saying, "I will not be the next head coach at LSU." Oh, okay, okay, all right, okay. That, that's very good. Well, bravo, bravo, very well played. I was a little slow on that one, but very well played. Now, um, speaking of coaches, here is. I'm not trying to get you know too philosophical on it. I think it's, I think it's kind of cool to see how it's it's played out with two teams and kind of the expectations that they had and, and, and where they are now. But in hearing Brian McClendon, and this is my dude could go uh, when it came to asking him a question when he was asked about just you know what what the team's mindset is and not meeting expectations. Uh, here's what he had to say about his team's mindset going forward. You know, one of the biggest messages uh, that that has been echoed throughout this time is, um, you know, this this part of the year is about finishing. You know, um, this, this part of the year is about finishing, and uh, you you have a clear opportunity to be able to finish something that you start. Um, you know, goals are goals are great. Uh, they're, they're definitely great motivation. They're definitely a great tool to use to be able to kind of fuel different things uh, within your program. Um, and, and, and it does hurt at times when, when you don't get them, but you still have, have such, you still have so much to, to play for. And, and when, you know, when the bowl schedule comes out and you see that you're playing the university of Oklahoma, 
um, it's not it's not much time to sit up there and, and, and be feeling sorry for yourself. <laughs> and so that has helped tremendously also. Uh, just with the with the competition that we're playing, the team that we're playing playing up playing against the the story. The, the storied history uh, of, of the program. Uh, I mean, it, it, it makes sure it grabs your attention from the from the word go. So, um, I mean, just you know, and, and as far as the coaching part of it, I mean, that's that's just where college football has gotten. You know, it's, it, it really has. I know me and coach actually ha- had had a good conversation about it and won't get all into it. But uh, this is just where college football is right now. And um, and so uh, at the end of the day, you you just want to make sure that you're a great example. I was having this conversation with my nine year old daughter um, about uh, why it's important to to finish what you start, you know, and, and not do it half half heartedly. You want to go in there and you want to do it to the best of your ability and make sure everybody around you is doing it to the best of their ability. And and uh, and you owe it to you owe it to each other, the, the men that you work with and the guys that, that, that that's playing for you and everybody in the program. So, um, you know, this. And, and Coach said this, and I'm stealing it from him, but uh, when I got asked to do it, it was the only right thing to do. It really was. And so um, I jumped at the opportunity to be able to do that uh, for the players, to be honest with you, for the players that, uh, that, that, owe, that, that we owe everything to kind of keep pouring this thing into. So I, a lot to unpack there, right? And I want to go back. The question was, how have you dealt with two teams that aren't meeting, that didn't meet the necessary expectations for the season and the motivation. And I thought, I felt like Brian McClendon in that, Josh, he felt like he answered about three different questions, right? He not only answered the motivation, but the why he is there and why he's not off to Miami quite yet. And the, and the, the what, you know, what, what, what is it that's kind of been the focus of this team? So again, a longer answer, but I thought, I thought that was pretty awesome. To hear, you know, and it almost encompasses even going up against Oklahoma, right? It's like, listen, you, you don't have time to feel sorry for yourself because you got to go play Oklahoma. And I think that that's pretty, uh, pretty cool too to hear him say that. Dude, dude's pretty sharp, man. I've, I've enjoyed what I've heard from him and listening to the pressers and talking to people in the Oregon media. The unfortunate thing is, None of these dudes that are coaching for Oregon are going to be around next year. Right. I mean, from the, from the Oklahoma side of things, you have, um, you have at least like the offensive staff, right? There's, they're still going to be around. Uh, a lot of the offensive playmakers are going to be back. I mean, Oregon's quarterback isn't going to be back. He's gone. Um, for the most part, they got two or three skill players that are going to be gone and not a single member of this staff is going to be around. So it's, it's so weird from the Oregon side of things when you think about this matchup? You know, it probably does help Oregon quite a bit that it's Oklahoma. With with all of the upheaval that they've had on their, their – uh, in their camp with uh, Mario Cristobal leaving to go to Miami, what that means for their staff, the future, Dan Lanning. The, the fact that it's OU, a pillar of college football – he he's right. That what McClendon said is is dead on. That gets your attention versus you know no disrespect to some of these other teams in the Big Twelve Conference, but if say like what Clemson's up really against with Iowa making. State, hey, that's a yeah, really it's a great point. That's a really talented Iowa State team that is better than what its record shows, but it's not OU. It's not Texas. It doesn't have that name brand cachet to it there's a sleepwalk 
factor that maybe you'd have to work against. Or if it was Kansas State, who's coming off a really, you know, pretty good year where they didn't win the conference, and all of a sudden they're 10 and 2 and they're playing Oregon in the Alamo Bowl. Okay, well, with all of this upheaval, probably, you know, Kayvon Thibodeau's opted out. A bunch of other guys have opted out. You've had injuries. You're not not necessarily as dialed into what's going on. Yeah, Oklahoma probably gets your attention a little bit. Agreed. Agreed. It's a great point. If you're going into the Alamo Bowl, and again, like you said, Tina, don't get mad at me. Um, you can't stay fans out there. You're going up against Texas Tech. You're going up against Kansas State. Heaven forbid you're going up against Kansas. It's probably meh time, right? It's probably like, oh, well. We we don't need to get too carried away about this. But going up against Oklahoma, when you're going up against a team that, you know, is a, is a blue blood, is a national brand, is somebody that's won conference championships and has been to national championship games and been in the playoffs, yeah, that ratchets things up a little bit. It's a great point. Meanwhile, if you were going into Iowa State, again, no offense, to the Cyclones, but it's a little different world when you're going up against the Sooners as opposed to just about any other team in the Big 12. I I, I got more from Brian McClendon. You and I have not really drilled into this matchup like I want to from a, you know, Ted always has his three things, or uh, Toby has his three things with end up being six things. Ted always has things that caught his eye. So we need to find our own little niche. But I will say, I've got, you know me, I love bullet points. So I got a few bullet points to keep an eye on tonight with the Alamo Bowl. Oklahoma, Oregon's Plank Show. All right, welcome back into the Plank Show. I think there is, this is where you're live from San Antonio, side of the Alamo Bowl. Um, is Parker down here already, or is he driving in for the game today? So I was just, I was just uh, getting off the phone there. Is Who's driving in? Parker. Is Parker here he, already? So we'll yes. say he he okay. he should be there. Yeah, he he left uh yesterday after they signed off. We are uh playing equipment shuffle as soon as I'm done and I get to go find Ted to get him the equipment for this show. Uh after the show for the next show. Are you on the road this afternoon or something? I'm not on the road. I will be hanging out okay. with the fellas uh, in studio. I think uh, right. Tyler's going to be over at, at Scratch in, in pregame, so that will be cool. What? That's awesome. That would be a cool place to go pregame. Brady's a big Sooner guy, so I'm sure he'll have some awesome specials going on. Scratch, uh, eat at scratch.com, and it's right off Main, Main and uh, – it's right there up – Right down the street from Sprouts. How's that? Does that help you out at yeah, all? Yeah, that's good. <laughs> there you yeah, I, I don't know. What, what is uh, that street there? Good question. Oh, gosh. Now I got it. Now I can't do anything else until I move on from here to four. Uh, that would be off the corner of – somebody is yelling at their radio right now. So Scratch is off the corner of Maine. Oh, there's several different streets around here. Google Maps, can you be a little – Maine and James Garner Avenue. How's that? Okay. Does that help you at all? Maine and, hold on, let's get a little bit more specific, South Santa Fe Avenue. Go see Tyler today. It should be fun. Um, all right, bullet points. Let me empty the notebook here a little bit for some things that I'm anticipating or excited about today. One, Josh Helmer. This is Captain Obvious thing, but here we go. 
I, I really want to see the kind of effort that we get from Oregon. And I'm not questioning how a team is going to perform. Uh, I'm not questioning um, how a team is going to approach it. I'm just wondering, what what's the motivation? And it is it is tough because it's like, now again, I should be clear. Um, you know, Brian McClendon hasn't confirmed or denied that he's going to Miami, but let me go ahead and tell you right now, Josh Elmer, he's going to Miami to be on that staff. Um, you've got Bo Nix coming in. You got Michael Wright on his way out. You just you have a lot of players who aren't going to be on the field for Oregon that had been major difference makers. The good news is, the good news is, I, I think that most of these are opt outs and injuries. You're not dealing with a COVID problem right now within this within this Oregon Duck program. But I will say, the motivation to me is very interesting. At least as it pertains, I I think Brian McClendon is going to give it his all. I don't think the motivation question is won by any stretch of the imagination. That needs to go into how they prepared and the kind of uh, effort they're going to give. But just what what kind of approach do we expect to see from Oregon here today is kind of my question. It's a good one. I I, I don't know. (laughs) I, I, I think that's... A legitimate concern if you're a Duck fan that this team maybe maybe isn't altogether dialed into this thing, or if Oklahoma yep. starts fast, that then right. all of a sudden uh, Oregon isn't isn't going to be super motivated for this Alamo Bowl. It's it's a big deal so, to play OU, but man, all of sure. a sudden Caleb Williams and company Kennedy Brooks runs wild a couple of times, and it's you know. 21 to 10 Oklahoma, and all of a sudden they, they fold the tent up a little bit. So uh, I, I have so many other things on Oregon, but I, I don't want to get bogged down here except to say that their their coach minimized the issues they're having with numbers, and that's fine. I, I understand that, and I get it. But they have a major problem with numbers. So I, I, I'll be curious to see – what it looks like, and what it's like for them tonight. Okay, other bullet point. Bob Stoops touched on this. This is something I'm really excited about. I know that when a coach leaves, your first thing is, all right, who's he taking with him, and can we get guys to stay around? But one of the things for me was thinking about dudes who get a fresh start. And there's, there's tape don't lie. So coaches will always have tape to look at, and Brent Venables isn't going to ignore everything that he's seen on tape. But, Josh, I'm thinking about guys that get a bit of a fresh start who I think are pretty, pretty good that maybe didn't see as many snaps as they did last year. Josh Allison comes to mind. Um, I think you and I even talked this season at, at one point about how impressed we had been with Josh Allison but how it seemed like his number of snaps were down a little bit from last year. And part of that might have been the the, the shifting of Isaiah Thomas at times inside uh, after the Jalen Redmond injury. But to me, seeing a guy like a Josh Ellison, you know, I, 
bowl games are a fresh start for dudes that maybe had, and there wasn't a massive amount of practices between the end of the season and the start of bowl season or, or, or this bowl game, but did a guy like a Kelvin Gilliam take advantage of that? Has someone like a Latrell McCutcheon now that he's had a chance to get past this freshman frustration and, and start anew, has it been a breath of fresh air for him? A Billy Bowman. I saw Billy down in the lobby yesterday. Has it been something for him that rejuvenates and re-energizes him, uh, gets his confidence back where it needs to be? Danny Stutzman. I just, again, new staff for the most part, new opportunity. And I know Brian Odom's calling the plays, but, Josh, is it cheesy to look at it for the perspective of seeing some of these guys that are getting an opportunity to maybe start anew, and this this last week and now this game gives them a chance to make a, a really big first impression? Absolutely. Outside of what they've seen. A- absolutely not cheesy, I guess, would, would be the right response there. I I think that's one of the key things to watch in this game. I'll riddle you this storyline, which probably maybe some folks or not a lot of folks are thinking about. The the Reggie Grimes, Ethan Downs, the young guys, Danny Stutzman, Marcus Tripping. Of course we want to see what those guys look like. How about for a guy like Jalen Redmond, who has been a star for Oklahoma, has been a – outstanding pass rusher you you think back to 2019 and this is something that actually I I talked on the Locked On Sooners podcast last night Uh, my man John Williams uh, brought the Sooners wire staff on so it was just a big party for the staff anyways Jalen Redman in 2019 leads the team in sacks right six and a half sacks I think he was third in tackles for loss but he's not ever been the opponent's focal pass protection uh, target, right? Well, he's going to be in this game, right? There's mm-hmm. no Ronnie Perkins out yeah. there. There's no Nick Benito. There's, there's no Isaiah Thomas. So I think, again, as we think about, talk about the importance of tonight projecting into 2022, I mean, that's something I'm curious about. Can Jalen Redmond be incredibly productive in a game where – I think at times he's going to see double teams and get a lot of the pass protection attention from Oregon. That's a that's a good point. Um, and then listen, I know we all are are all about Danny Stutzman, uh, and and I understand and and get why. But there's a few guys that you know I see and they look the part. So I'm curious, you know, is is this maybe a chance for them to get on the field and maybe do a couple of things? that we've never seen them have the opportunity to do before. You know, I'm, and, and I'm, I'm looking at a couple of different positions. And, I, again, I know it might be reaching a little bit, but a guy like Jake McCoy, uh, the kid out of Edmond, Edmond North product, I, I, I see him 6'3", 223. And every time I see him, I'm like, damn, dude, this guy looks like a football player. I brought up Kelvin Gilliam. You know, another name that, that comes to mind is – is a dude like uh, Jordan Kelly, who we saw flashes of, right? And I, and he's a retro junior, so he's by no means some new guy. But will that be someone? How, how, let me give you another name. You brought up uh, on the Russian side, uh, Ethan Downs, and who else did you just mention? Ethan Downs and uh, Reggie Grimes. Uh, you brought up another one of the Stripling. Reggie Grimes, thank you. Bingo. Bingo. 
What about a Marcus Stripling? I mean, you talk about um, someone who appears to have all of the physical and tangibles. I mean, I'll tell you something right now that stands out. makes me want to keep an eye on 33, Stripling even more tonight. That's who Ted put in his spotlight. So you can read I hope Ted doesn't mind me breaking that news, and I know he's not listening. But you can look in that, uh, look at that any way you want. But someone's like someone like Marcus Stripling. How about this? How about this? It's another edge guy, but a Clayton Smith. Now I, I do want to pause for a moment here because this is that moment where I do get ahead of myself quite uh, quite a bit. Only one guy from their linebacker rotation has left, and so I can't get too carried away and going too deep and talking about like the Jake McCoys of the world and if we'll see him and if he can do anything. Um, but at the edge position. With both Isaiah Thomas and Nick Benito, you know, as much as they rotated guys, Josh, Nick Benito did not come off the field much at all. So when you talk about players like Downs and Grimes and Stripling and uh, Clayton Smith, they've got a probably good opportunity to see a few more snaps tonight. Oh, I don't think there's any doubt about that. Hey, I'm looking at this two deep, three deep right now that Oklahoma sent out for this bowl game, and Unless I'm just, like, crazy, I don't see Caleb and Gilliam mm-hmm. anywhere on it. I didn't either. I didn't either. He's here. But, no, I was the same way. I, I, I was going up and down. I'm like, oh, I don't really see 44 on there anywhere. We'll see if he's out there tonight. I expect him to be. Like that's, I said, I that's the big from secret. everything that I've they, heard, they, they, they are they've, as healthy as they've been. They've kept that one locked away. We're going to surprise the Ducks tonight. They have no clue <laughs> what's coming, baby. <laughs> but there was a, there was a report, um, I want to say, on OUinsider.com that had Kelvin Gilliam as out for this game, but it was undisclosed. Um, you know, we, we've seen some injuries from dudes that we know, like Jeremiah Cradell, who's been out for a while. I think Ryan Peoples hasn't even dressed the entire season. Um but, you know, maybe I talk about wanting to see a Calvin Gilliam. It might be a situation where he's out, and, and that's why you don't see him on the on the depth chart. But then again, it opens up an opportunity for someone else if he can't go, right, when you think about wanting to take advantage of these chances. We know – here's the guys we know that aren't going to play for sure. Spencer Rattler, Shane Hazelwood, Austin Stogner, um, Isaiah Thomas, Perion Winfrey, Brian Osamoa, Nick Benito – Nick Benito, um, Caleb Kelly, Ryan Peoples, everyone else, you know, you just don't know. You don't know. I don't know about – I feel pretty good about Theo Weiss. He was dressed the last two games, but I don't think he got on the field. Cody Jackson was dressed the last couple of games. Don't think we saw him on the field. You mentioned uh, Andrew Rame, you know, had been dinged up. I, I mean, we'll see what his availability is come kick time tonight. The, the depth chart, if I'm not mistaken, Josh, if you still have it in front of you – the depth chart mentions him and Conjol as an or, right? Yes, Rame or Conjol. Rame or okay. Conjol. Um, Gilliam was listed on a on an injury report that I saw in twenty four seven Sports, but it's that same injury report has Doe's on there and um, and and Jeremiah Cradell. I don't. I mean, Cradell's been out most of the season, but is this a chance where he has an opportunity to to fit back in the rotation? I don't know. I don't. It's been a month, so we'll see. But for the most part, everything I've been told about Oklahoma is that they're as healthy as they've been all season long. All right, when we come back, 
It's time for the news according to Josh. It's a plank show right here on the ref as we count down to tonight's Alamo Bowl. Eight, get your nap in. Eight fifteen kick between the Sooners and the Ducks. ESPN will have complete coverage on the Sooner Radio Network starting at six PM, but our coverage is ongoing and nonstop right here on the ref. All right, it's the Plank Show. We're on the road in San Antonio. Our final 20 minutes right here on the ref before Steely and Thune take over and then get a little Parker and Tyler and a little Rush, Teddy Lehman here in San Antonio. I don't, I don't know if – I think Teddy is actually doing the show from inside the Alamo Dome. How about this? You want to know – you want me to give you an idea of – how we're rolling, Josh Helmer. We we go on the air at six PM. We're not heading over to the stadium until four thirty. Now that that my friend. For Toby and I, that's really, really, really messing with our O C D. But I'm pumped, man. I'm really excited. I'm excited. I've never been inside the Alamo Dome. This is the first time I've ever been to San Antonio. I haven't left my hotel room yet, <laughs> but I'm pumped. Oklahoma and Oregon tonight. So what do you say? We get a little news according to Josh as we head down the home stretch. It's time for the news according to Josh. People seem to like me because I am polite and I'm rarely late. I like to eat ice cream and I really enjoy a nice pair of slacks. Years later, a doctor will tell me that I have an IQ of 48. All the news that matters to us. What you're about to see is a Channel 4 News exclusive. His name is Nutty the Squirrel, and he's three years old. How about that? (laughs) That squirrel can water ski. And hopefully, it matters to you. Now, with the news, here's Josh Helmer. One final time. One final time in 2021. Play the music. Oklahoma, <laughs> Oregon, Valero, Alamo Bowl. Giddy up. 8-15 tonight, ESPN. Sooners, Ducks. Am, am I seeing this right that Oklahoma – did Oklahoma open as a six-and-a-half-point dog? What? Seriously? I don't think so. I think they've been a favorite the whole time. Okay. I think they opened – I think they opened at four-and-a-half – and, it's and gotten, I think the number is kind of bounced around a little bit. Well, it's oh, at seven oh right my. now. Right. They opened it. You're right. Scores and odds. That's got to be a mistake. Scores and odds has it that they opened up at a six and a half point yeah, dog. Well, I want to say they I don't started think that's right. four and a half. Yeah. 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 I don't think that's right. I don't think that's right. But there's seven right now. So you're correct. At any rate, for all of you wagerers out there it is OU minus seven and they're probably going to win by a million tonight with Bob Stoops coaching so just take that for what it's worth I can't wait well let me let me rephrase this I I I really am excited I want Bob Stoops to win I want him to to get the proper send-off that he deserves but if things happen to go south tonight the first call to our show tomorrow will be someone that is mad well did take this seriously talking about tequila and and letting the players pick their curfew times. (laughs) I don't think it's going to be a problem. Uh, Listen, I really like this McClendon dude. I like him a lot. But I just, 
I think Oklahoma's the better team. I, what, what would Lee Sterling always say? The better team. Wrong team is favorite. The better team, Oklahoma, I think. I think odds makers have this one right about on the money. That uh, if OU loses and we get that phone call about Bob Stoops uh, not focused enough, too, too, <laughs> yeah, I know, too, I just can't wait. too jovial, too much <laughs> rock and roll tequila talk, that would run counter to what your man Andrew Shepard has reported today, which is – Which is? Ran into Coach Stoops this morning on the hotel elevator. Two words. Laser. Focus. Ooh. How about the spotter getting okay. in on the reporting gig? Look at that. Look at that. Andrew Shepard, laser focused. I like that. I like that. Uh, I will say this. I have not seen Coach since I got here. But I've talked to uh, a lot of people. I know Toby just talked to him at 11 a.m. for their pregame interview. But it's... As much fun as everyone's having, it's business, man. They're they're here to do a job. That, that should fire you up as a fan. All right, where do you want to go next? Two bowl games last night involving Big 12 teams. It was a nice send-off, was it not, for Mr. Cumbie? 34-7, Texas Tech over Mississippi State. Donovan Smith, 15 of 28, passing 252 yards and one touchdown. Red Raiders, they romp over the Bulldogs. Uh, not the case with the West Virginia Mountaineers, who uh, were less than impressive, shall we say, versus oh Minnesota to end last night. 18-6, to the final in that football game in the guaranteed rate bowl. They, that game was so bad last night. So, so bad. But you know what? You got to do what you got to do. Um, go play the game. I'm glad they played the game. Guaranteed rate bowl, 18-6, which gets us to the other bowl game today is the Cheez-It Bowl, Josh. Where is your excitement level for Iowa State and Clemson at 445 this afternoon? Oh, are you kidding me? It's uh, through the roof. But that pales in comparison to my excitement for what we'll we'll see uh, this afternoon from Yankee Stadium in the Bronx. The new era pinstripe bowl, 1.15 p.m. on ESPN. It's Maryland and Virginia Tech. Just kidding. I, uh, you know, I'll I am more, much more excited for Clemson, Iowa State, but that's your bowl schedule I'll watch. outside of OU today. I'll watch. I'll watch. Um, did you? I, someone sent me a link. Is there? They're wearing the North Carolina. North Carolina. Listen to me. They're wearing the Yankees emblem on their helmet today too. That's nice. kind of cool. Yeah. All right. Where do you want to go next? That's uh, that's about it on. Oh, it's already 11.47. Yeah, what we got to take a, a T.O. I guess, uh, you know, bad news. We saw another cancellation. Holiday Bowl couldn't find a foe for the Wolfpack, so that game has been – it has been uh, called off. Yeah, they, they they couldn't find a partner because they canceled it two hours before the game. <laughs> it, in fact, it was a Bruce Feldman report that came down literally – Four hours before the game, they said there's only a 60% chance they're playing this game. And you're like, wait, that's not good. That's a D. Um, so, yeah, uh, uh, that's all. That's a D minus. So, frustrating day yesterday. Some God, final I'd be audio. So if I was a North Carolina State fan. Yeah, go for it. Final audio before we head out the door. What do you say next? Oh, oh I've got some uh, Brian Odom for you on who he talked to about play calling and a little. Uh, Brian McClendon on what we can expect from Oregon next on the Home Sooner Fans. Uh, uh, 
final segment real quick before we get picks in here and some final audio. I uh, got time for a call. 405-329-9000. Let's fit in John before we wrap things up. What's going on, John? How are you, man? I'm doing good. How are you guys doing? We are doing I'm doing great, man. We're doing so good. We'll find out how great we're doing about 8:15 tonight, but we're doing good so far. <laughs> exactly. So the countdown what happened to yesterday at UCLA, they, about four hours before the kickoff, the game was canceled. So we got to make sure that, you know, that time frame happens to us, that nothing happens. So if nothing happens, we'll be okay. We'll play that game. That'd be awesome. But Absolutely. real quickly, I, I wanted to say about um, the game tonight and who's going to win. Everybody's, you know, saying what do you got to say. But we got to remember a couple things, factors. Okay? We've lost a lot of players who have opted out. Key positions on defense, specifically in the defensive line, and a couple linebackers, right? One linebacker. Mm-hmm. How many One defensive linebacker, linemen? defensive tackle, two defensive ends. Yeah. Right. Exactly. So that's right. That's the key. We've we've lost some major players there, and I hear Bob Stoops saying, "Well, the next guy has to step up." Well, the next guys that are coming up who are playing have not had that many reps. They're the backup. So he said they're going to have to step up, and that's true. They're going to have to step up because they're the ones playing the game. So he's not going to put a lot of pressure on them, you know, so he's playing it kind of easy. But, I mean, you understand that the backups are playing. It's going to be up to them how they perform. And all year, they were the backups for a reason. Oregon is in the same boat. So up front, who wins that battle wins the game. Prediction. Period. Bottom line. Period. That's it. I love Period. it. John. You're the man. Thanks for the call, buddy. Happy New Year, buddy. Might be one of my favorite callers on the show. Um, He's right, which gets us to our picks tonight. And listen, I'm. (laughs) It's funny. Ted is is waiting to get the equipment, and I can't tell him my room number because I don't know my room number. I usually have my key right here in front of me, but for some reason I don't. So, Josh, why don't you start? What's your pick? Who you got? Oklahoma, Oregon, and a player of the game. Okay, uh, I'm taking Oklahoma to win the game. I think the motivation factor very much on OU's side. Uh, I f- feel like that's palpable here with what Bob Stoops did, stepping in the leadership that he has shown for this program. I, I think this team wants to pay that off for Bob Stoops, whether or not he's going to say it publicly or if we have to wait until about – I don't know, a little after midnight tonight to find out that absolutely the 2006 Oregon game was a big talking point leading up to this thing for Bob Stoops and this football team. There's some revenge to be had here, too. I, uh, I'm i going to take Kennedy Brooks as my player of the game. It's his, it's his final game, in my estimation, with the University of Oklahoma. And though Caleb Williams will start as well in this game, OU's going to come out and make a point to prove, minus All-American edge rusher Kayvon Thibodeau for Oregon, that, hey, the the future of OU here is one that's going to be built and entrenched in physicality. And uh, I think it's a beautiful send-off for Kennedy Brooks tonight. I've got Oklahoma 37-27 over Oregon. Um, I like it. I might go a little bit more. I might go like 41-17 tonight. I feel pretty good about Oklahoma's chances uh, to really roll this evening, and I do think this offensive staff has a lot to prove. Uh, I think they're going to – you know, when I say open it up, that doesn't just mean throw it around the field. I mean, I think that you're still going to see them run the football effectively, and uh, I'm excited to see what it looks like. So, to me, tonight, 
is about what John just talked about. It's about that battle in the trenches, and can Oklahoma go out and win it? So give me Oklahoma tonight, and how about this? How about this for a player to watch? How about Isaiah Coe? And listen, I, I feel like we've done enough shows leading up to this where maybe I've picked about every single player on the field. I'll say this much. I put Braden Willis in my spotlight because I don't know if Teddy can hear me or not, because I've heard Teddy talk enough about Braden Willis, and I'm like, I'm putting him in my spotlight. <laughs> but um, I just I, I feel like for the dudes in the trenches, it is a big opportunity to go out and be a big-time difference maker tonight and push that line of scrimmage back. So uh, keep an eye on Isaiah Coe, uh, maybe a Josh Ellison in that mix too, a Jordan Kelly. I just think there is a really, really good chance, Josh Helmer, for these guys to be able to go out and be big-time difference makers here this evening. And, oh, yeah, consider this. Uh, Oklahoma's, or, excuse me, Oregon's biggest issue, issues on opt-outs have been on their O-line and on their defensive line. They've had to move an offensive lineman to play defensive tackle. Not good. Uh, enjoy the coverage the rest of the day. Uh, Steely and Thune next. Teddy's going to be live from the Alamo Bowl. We got you covered as we count down to Oklahoma and Oregon. Josh, enjoy, buddy. Get some rest at some point tonight. We'll see you back here with a recap Will do, tomorrow buddy. morning right here on the Home Center Fans. Later.